you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. The Around the NFL Podcast. Needs to get a lawyer. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, what is up, boys? Ah, big week. Big week in this great year, 2020. Oh, 2020, why are you the way that you are? I, if you're, you're, you know, people are just listening to this through audio channels, but I just, and we just watched Greg do something with his body. Um, <laughs> what was that, Greg? What were you doing there with your fists and your arms? Just kind of moving them in an awkward uh, way. Almost I call like that 100% pure uncut sex. Yeah. I yeah, mean, that's what I would label it as. It's one of the benefits of uh, taping at home. Like, we'll always look back at this year. Like, remember that year they they kept putting us on the network and we could just wear T-shirts? Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> before they buried us when everyone went back. Right. To the- it's like uh, when I got forearms like this, you know, you just want to show it off. Oh, you have to. You have to. No, it's demand. And people are demanding it. So you do. It, it does remind me that there will be a time. Hopefully not too far down the road where we have a vaccine and, and the government has stunned us all by rolling it out in a way that uh, all of America benefits from it and we move beyond this horrific plague and then we get told maybe via email, maybe uh, a secondary uh, manager type that we no longer have television programs, that we are no longer needed really on any level except for your cute little podcast. That time's coming, but I will take that trade off uh, if it means that we don't have to wear masks outside anymore. You know, there's some good vaccine news coming up. People are getting pretty optimistic about, you know, late winter, early spring that, you know, it could happen. So it's starting to have a little bit of a All right. date, possibly. Week five. Week five in the NFL. <laughs> Obviously, week four was impacted by the coronavirus uh, with a postponement, uh, two postponements. One game that got taken care of on Monday. And, of course, the Steelers and Titans, which was moved to the middle of the season. Uh, we're going to go through all the games uh, that are going to be played 
week five. We won't dig in, obviously, on the Bills and Titans, and that's for obvious reasons. At the time of this taping, there's just too much unknown out there. So what's the point of us pretending a game's happening? We don't even know who's playing, who's available, if they're playing. So uh, don't get angry at us, uh, Titans, excuse me, Titans fans. And, no, I don't uh, know. You might have a case there at this point, but... What, to bring it back? I mean, I like well, they've got about is, 23 cases, right? Right. Now. This <laughs> is a this is a more clownish scenario than them, you know, dropping a week eight game to the Jaguars or something. They've created uh, total tumult. He said it, people. Uh, no, but I know what you're saying. Exactly. Anyway, so we're not going to hit that game. Uh, but if it is indeed played, um, we will, of course, cover it on the Sunday night flagship show or hypothetically Monday night, Tuesday night. I don't know. It's also crazy right now, but uh, let's get into the rest of the games, folks. And we do it draft style. And Mark, uh, you just so happen to have the number one overall pick. Where are you going? I'm going to go pick the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Cleveland to face the three and one Browns. And I am trying to remember a preview show in our long history where we had the Browns as the number one pick. I mean, without me pulling some sort of shenanigans, that's that's been improbable in our in the run of our show. So how did we get here? I would point to someone named Paul D. Podesta, the chief strategy officer oh, of the Browns, wow. who a year ago, before they hired I thought you were going to mention Kitchens, a virus that originated somewhere else in the world and came here. Well, go ahead. that's a factor too. But <laughs> D. Podesta pushed to hire Kevin Stefanski before they hired Freddie Kitchens. He pushed to hire Andrew Barry. And for the first time ever, we have a head coach and a GM that are married together without a lot of infighting and politics. And it is showing in this in this team right now. And they, are, they asked a couple of the players, what do you think about Stefanski's play calling? Daring, gutsy. And we saw that against the Cowboys. A series of trick plays, the 50-yard run by Odell in a tough spot. I just think this is a different type of team than we've seen in Cleveland in a really long time. And, you know, people can say, why doesn't Baker Mayfield, why isn't he throwing for 300 yards a game? Well, you don't need him to right now. He has been tracked as the, when you look at perfect ball location, PFF looks at this, the number one quarterback right now. And I know that there are some plays that Baker Mayfield would want back, but he is working well in this system. The run game is on fire. You know, there are concerns that Nick Chubb is not part of that. But, Greg, I know that you've been studying a little bit of Dearness Johnson, who stepped in for Nick Chubb. Oh, yeah. Right? And Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson and the rest of that cast did not skip a beat. Now, that was against the Dallas defense. Now you're playing a defense that has shut down the run and done a lot of other, I mean, caused a lot of other problems for teams that they've faced so far. So, this is a good test for the Browns. Did you? And that was a love fest, Mark. And I'm happy for you, Mark, because that is about as positive as you've been on a Browns monologue since I've known you. Did you say Baker Mayfield is the number one quarterback according to PFF? No, no, no. According to like perfect ball placement in certain okay, situations, right. that's, it's that a niche doesn't... stat. But I'm gonna deep. I'm gonna dig deep for niche stats. I'm gonna deep six that, that stat. Are on Baker's case. Come Be- on, enough with that. He's because I well. think. Because I think um, we're gonna see. I don't think people are really saying like, why isn't Baker Mayfield throwing for 300 yards? I think it all makes sense the way their game plan is playing out. But now. Nick Chubb is on IR, so that does change a lot, and it does put more pressure on Baker to, for example, hit that throw down the left sideline when uh, Baker Mayfield bail- or yep. when uh, Odell bails him out uh, in the end of the Cowboys game. You're going to need uh, Baker to play at a higher level uh, than he has. 
Well, they they had about seven points when Nick Chubb left against the Cowboys, and they put up 42 in the final three quarters. I don't know where they find these guys. Dearness Johnson just mowing over people, reminding Mark Sessler of of a young Kevin Mack. But you're not going to do it this week <laughs> against De- DeForest Buckner. I mean, it'll be tougher. you got to try to run uh, against this Colts team, and we don't know if Darius Leonard is going to be out there, which to me is a huge factor. I thought when you said, Mark, though, one guy uh, changed it all, I thought you were going to say Bill Callahan. Their offensive line. Well, that that fits to me, too. To me, he's the key. He's the key. They're suddenly the best offensive line in the league. These teams are bizarre. They're three and one and with their quarterbacks not doing much. I mean, Baker Mayfield's yards per attempt. Yeah, he's he's been accurate. He's been fine. It's still near the bottom of the league. And Philip Rivers, to me, has not particularly played well. If I feel like I'm in Bizarro Land, I'm always defending Philip Rivers, and his team is letting him down. And now I'm saying, I don't know. Like he is being very careful with his throws, and yet he still had plenty of turnover-worthy plays. He's missed a lot of throws. There's not a lot of juice around him. Only Lamar. Jackson and Kirk Cousins have thrown the ball less than these two quarterbacks, Baker and, uh, and Phillip Rivers, out of guys who have started four games. So it's bizarre. In in an offensive league, I sort of trust the Browns a little more because they seem more like the offensive team here, Mark Zessler. You should lock up your Browns if you really believe in them. Well, I'm, you know, I, I've learned Do it. to touch the Browns in our lock uh, exercise, but Greg, I'm with you because I don't think Cleveland is playing around Baker Mayfield, but when you watch this Colts team, you kind of get the sense that they're trying to ask Philip Rivers to do as little as possible. And I don't know if they have the offense to carry them that way. I mean, what is going on with T.Y. Hilton? When is he is, is he deciding just to take the early autumn off? When will he be reignited into this attack? Not impressed so far with T.Y. Hilton. I think mm. the Colts, part of it has been the schedule, and they haven't needed to ask Phil Rivers to carry them in a game. It could happen here because the Browns have been putting up points. And I think it will continue to happen. It did show me something with the Indy defense last week, playing without Darius Leonard to shut down. Listen, the Bears are not very good on offense. But still, to hold that team to three points uh, late in the fourth quarter, that they have more depth and they can keep it going. And I, and I think uh, this will be a real test for both teams. I think this is... Um, a good number one overall pick, Mark, and it is a great sign for your Cleveland Browns that they are in the top of the show. Now, let's see what they can do with that. With that, it, and that's a great responsibility, Mark. Your Browns right now at the top of the show. It is. Huge. I mean, I, I I don't know if I'm shouldering the responsibility. My job is kind just of. on Sunday on to sit there and watch them you. and see how they perform. But I mean, they nearly gave me a heart attack at the end of the Cowboys game. So can we make these a little less dramatic, possibly? All right, we'll see how it plays out. All right, I am up. It is a a bit of a weird slate this week. Um, So it wasn't a game that jumped right out at me. So I will go with the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to Arrowhead to face the Chiefs. Um, And I thought the Chiefs' performance on Monday night was interesting. They won because their defense showed it can still deliver a big performance even when it's shorthanded. You're missing Chris Jones, who is their you know, best playmaker on the defensive line, and they still force four turnovers uh, and hold the opposition to 10 points. Now, that opposition, does this game play out the same way with Cam Newton uh, behind center instead of Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham? Probably not the same type of game, but I still think the outcome would have been the same with Patrick Mahomes stepping in and and making sure the Chiefs win that game. So uh, I think on balance, even if you want to be like, oh, that was a bit of a bummer that the Chiefs offense wasn't humming there in primetime. I think it was on balance 
a good uh, sign for the Chiefs that they again showing that this is a well-rounded team. It's just it's not just the Patrick Mahomes show. Uh, so I, I expect them to be in a really good spot here against the Raiders, Greg, a Raiders team that showed for the second consecutive week that they can hang for a while with a, a team better than them, but they make too many mistakes to win these games outright. And they don't have a defense. I mean, this is the perfect recipe for the, the Chiefs to get right offensively. It feels weird that a 4-0 team who blasted the Ravens on Monday Night Football needs to get right. But they are a little different. I mean, Mahomes is 18th in yards right now, like 8th in yards per attempt. I, they're oh, between 6th and 8th. I mean, he's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying they're not at the level uh, that they were at a year ago. And he's playing well. And you know what gets you back to that level? A nice, comfortable matchup versus this dreadful Raiders defense. I mean, they were 30, 30th in the league last year in efficiency, 31st uh, in the league this year. They don't do anything well. They miss tackles. They're not fundamental. They don't have much skills. They don't have a pass rush. The one <laughs> thing I liked about them was in their secondary with Trayvon Mullen and Arnett. And now Arnett is hurt. And so... Uh, this is perfect. Mahomes cooks the Chiefs, and I think John Gruden's head is about to explode uh, because of this defense. He's never had a bad defense like this. He always had Monty Kiffin kind of propping him up in Tampa. Uh, this is a new experience, and you do wonder if he, you know, I, I wouldn't be comfortable if I was employed uh, in the, you know, Raiders defensive coaching room right now. I think you're right, Greg. And I mean, I don't like to look at results from a year ago and beyond that, but there is something about this Chiefs-Raiders rivalry, which is it, that it's not a rivalry. It just hasn't been for so long. Derek Carr is 0-6 in Kansas City. John Gruden has not beaten Mahomes and the Chiefs, and they haven't just simply lost. Look at some of the results. They have been sandblasted by the Chiefs. So, I, you know, we can talk about Kansas City you know, still finding its groove on offense, but their version of finding their groove is they're 4-0, they're undefeated, they just hammered the Ravens a couple weeks ago. I don't see a lot in their way this time. What I'd love to see is what happened to that Raiders offense from week one. What happened to Josh Jacobs? I mean, I, it's one of my favorite mm. running backs. He's not been the same he's guy the well. past couple of weeks. I think he's playing fine, but he's not the central figure that he was. He's not before. breaking and a lot of Dan, big plays right now. That's for sure. No, and you mentioned it, Dan. Like, this is a team that if you want to be a frisky Raiders team, you have to be like the Patriots were a week ago. They're, they had an offensive penalty. It was their first all season. Okay, that's well-coached right there. That's discipline. The Raiders, to me, are a mistake-prone outfit, and you can't be that against Mahomes and the Chiefs. You're going to get waxed. I thought it was a perfect kind of summation of where the Raiders are, which is a team that they're not a laughingstock by any stretch, but Darren Waller, their star tight end, gets the ball punched out of his hands by Josh Norman. The very next play, uh, they go up top. Uh, Josh Allen and hits a 50-yard pass to Diggs to set up the game-clinching touchdown. Uh, breakdowns all over mm. the place. So I, the Raiders aren't there yet. And I do, you you mentioned sandblasted, Mark, which is a wild way to explain it. So I'll go with like, I couldn't, we lock games every week. I couldn't look in the mirror and and, and say, yeah. oh, I'm going to lock up the Chiefs here because this feels like the sandblaster event of the week where we could be, you know, a three-touchdown <laughs> difference. I, I don't well, like the Raiders' chances of hanging in this game. No, you would. We would kick you off the show if you attempted to lock up the Chiefs. It's just, it's that's illegal. All right, uh, show us next. something. They might get uh, Trent Brown back though, a big time right tackle, and they might get Henry Ruggs, their first round draft pick uh, on offense. So show us something and score some points, right? That's another ch- see. We we challenge the Browns by making them first and say, you know, show us that you are worthy of that high placement in the show. Now Raiders, we challenge you to make it competitive at Arrowhead. Greg, you're up next in the draft. 
another game I'm going to challenge a team. How about the Minnesota Vikings go to Seattle and put on a show for us on Sunday night football? I think they can do it because the Vikings offense the last couple of weeks has taken major strides because of Justin Jefferson. He has played so well. I'm almost like afraid to talk about how well Justin Jefferson is playing. Like <laughs> you watch those two games and you think, is he the number one receiver and Thielen's number two? Like, has he fully replaced Stefan Diggs yet? It sounds crazy because it's two games and you want to see more, but it's the way he's doing it. His yards after the catch, the way he gets the ball at the catch point. It's everything they were saying coming into the draft. It's everything that's making the Eagles fans crazy that they didn't uh, wind up with this guy. And Dalvin Cook is running as hard as anyone. They're scoring over 30 points a game. Cousins is like in a totally different offense. They barely throw the ball, but no one throws it deeper more often than Kurt Kid Cuzzy Cousins. Like, what is happening? It's a totally different Vikings team. Exactly. What is it's happening? It's a nice matchup for it. Right. I, I love I love a little Kid Cuzzy. Uh, you know, he this they should put up points. Everyone puts I, up you points. You know what? I thought season. the same thing the past two weeks. The Vikings fixed themselves on offense. And I, I you know, there's too much talent there, and you could get on Kirk Cousins for being flawed or a guy that can't get you to the next level, but Kirk Cousins is going to get you points and take you down the field uh, for 16 weeks of a regular season. So they've now fixed one side of the ball. Now they just got to figure out how to make the defense competent, and if they could do that, they will get back in the race. But I totally i am with you. That was a on Justin Jefferson. That was a huge issue for them in the first three weeks of the season where they couldn't or the first two weeks of the season where it, it was clear that Cousins didn't know who to trust. Once the kid, Kid Cuzzy, showed that uh, he could trust uh, the, the rookie, <laughs> now that offense, the lid's off the offense because you have two big-time receivers and, you know, quietly a top three running back in the whole league in Dalvin Cook. Yeah, they can be what they were last year. I mean, it, it was the question of you, you, you handed away Stefan Diggs. You, you, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, you know, in any way a fleecing because you got picks back and then this pick is worked out with Jefferson. So you can be what you were last year, especially when you have Dalvin Cook running for 345 yards and three touchdowns over the last two weeks. I mean, this is an explosive offense when it wants to be. I and mean, you're, you're facing a Seahawks pass rush that simply doesn't exist. I mean, it's a ghost yep. pass rush. It, 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 it's the worst in the league in many metrics. Jamal Adams is out of the mix. So this has potential shootout potential if the Vikings can be what they want to be. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I just think Seattle's Uh-oh. a special team right now. And, you know, the desert does not provide a lot of uh, comfortable locks this week for us. But I have no shame in picking the Seattle Seahawks to lock this it's game fine. up, to win okay. it, and take the Vikings. All right. I, I like it. Okay. I mean, the, you're right. There, we're, it's weirdly yeah. a week. There's a lot of mismatches, and I think this game is dangerous for Seattle. I trust them ultimately because they're so uh, aggressive offensively. The, the, mm. the drive at the end of the first half against Miami was <laughs> unbelievable. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna shame you. You know Mark. what? There's I already can tell. Dan is Dan is getting. A, I'm going to be hearing about this from Dan until <laughs> right we wrap our Sunday night show. It's I fine. have no problems locking. I haven't that. said anything. Let it be stated. No, it's for your the it's your tone. It's the way that you're nodding. You're sort of shaking your head a little bit. We've all well, been the here Viking. <laughs> the Vikings defense is so bad. If you saw that drive that the Seahawks guys made at the end of that first half, they had 25 seconds. And they scored a touchdown against Miami. In the past, that would have been Brian Schottenheimer running into the line and running into halftime. Instead, they score a touchdown in four plays. Like, that is outrageous. And Minnesota's kind of shown nothing defensively where you actually think they'll get many stops. So You're it's right, crazy. Mark. This is a good pick. I, I feel good about 
uh, Russell Wilson on pace for 75 touchdowns at home against the worst <laughs> pass defense in the league, a team that's one and three. I, I, I feel like this is a good lock for you. Thank you. I, well, you know, your approval is something that I'm constantly seeking, so this, this matters to me. <laughs> Feeling good. All right. Greg, you're up next. It's snakes to you. All right. Early game. I'm excited to see uh, the first matchup of Lamar Jackson versus Joe Burrow. Bengals, Ravens. Isn't it fun that the Bengals are in games that we actually want to watch? I don't know if they can win this game, but I think they can slow down the Ravens. Like the Ravens, are. it's tough to compare them to the 2019 Ravens. Like that's unfair for any team, even the 2020 Ravens, but they're not, they're not the same. They're 11th in efficiency right now. They don't have those long drives. I think the offensive line is not playing quite as well. They have the explosive plays. I mean, you saw Lamar Jackson last week. He makes a couple incredible throws and incredible runs, and you don't worry about them that much against a Bengals defense that the numbers say is a lot better this year. Um, but you, you think this is a game where they'll still do enough, but it's it's not the same feeling. And you do wonder if, if it's familiar matchups, if it's tough defenses they're facing. But like that seven-yard you know, run that Lamar kind of does to the outside that always felt like the easiest play in football. They're not getting that this year, and they're not getting the easy runs out of their running backs either. So now that they're heading into division play, I'm, I'm curious to see if this Bengals defense, which has played fairly well, can slow them down a little bit. I'm with you. I think it's an interesting matchup, and you're right. The Bengals are uh, attractive to view for the first time in, that I can remember in a long time because Andy Dalton never really got it done for me. I'd imagine, though, if you're a defensive coordinator and we're going back to you know February and March and you have time to dissect film, well, what are you doing if you're going to face the Ravens in September, October? Then figure out ways to neutralize what they did last year. They were ahead of the curve, and defenses catch up to some of this stuff. That said, I mean, watching Lamar Jackson last week, he made a couple throws, one to Mark Andrews, who still remains incredibly dangerous, that are just pinpoint accurate. So I think they can do more and more. I have no problem with them kind of working themselves out of a funk a little bit. This Ravens team, to me, I would consider it a titanic upset if the Bengals slowed them this week. Am I wrong here? I I mean, I don't think anybody's going to pick Cincinnati to win this game, but I I do feel the same way that Burrow makes them exciting, uh, Cincinnati. And you know what? Finally, Joe Mixon becomes a huge part of that offense. And it's kind of weird. It's the same weekend last weekend that he began the weekend in the hospital with the mysterious chest chest pains uh, that he wondered if he got it from sleeping the wrong way. I've never had issues from sleeping on my chest. I've I've put my arm to sleep before. I've woken up with a sore neck. Before from old, sleeping, old guy moved, but definitely, but yeah. like you know, put me in a hospital with a, with a chest injury from sleeping. I don't know, but he was he was awesome uh, in week four. He carried the offense three touchdowns, over 150 total yards, and that's like a nice reminder. Hey, Joe Burrow doesn't have to go out go at this alone with a bad offensive line and limited skill talent on the outside. You have this All Pro caliber running back behind you, so. Um, having Joe Mixon playing like Joe Mixon is huge uh, for Cincinnati and makes them frisky in this game. And my thought on the Ravens is, yeah, maybe they're not humming like they did last year on offense, but they might not ever do that again. Lamar Jackson can play 15 more years and never have a season like he had last year. That was just a blessed season. Uh, If he can do what they did last week, that will win uh, nine out of 10 weeks as well. So I feel good about the Ravens this week, but this could be an interesting game. Could be. Defensively, I think they they have to be a little worried about their pass rush, too. They get no pressure uh, without sending blitzes. And so this is a good test uh, against Joe Burrow. 
uh, where you figure you shouldn't need to send the house to get to Joe Burrow in this offensive line. They played better against Jacksonville. Uh, but Baltimore, I know they're worried about that. They don't have guys that can win one-on-one. And I think against the better teams, that can expose you. And Joe Burrow, I don't know. He makes the right decisions. He might know where to throw against that blitz. He's got weapons. T. Higgins playing pretty well, too. I mean, right. I would say that the, the Bengals have helped pass rushes get right all season. So uh, it, it could be right. arrow up for the Ravens on that front. All right. I am up next. And I will select, drum roll please, Monday Night Football, Chargers at Saints. Okay, so uh, really liked what I saw from the Saints against the Lions. You know, they fall behind 14-0, and you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, this looks like a disaster shaping up. And then they reel off five consecutive touchdowns and take control of that game and and win it and get kind of get their mojo back a little bit. I'm not saying all is right in New Orleans right now, but that is a win that I feel like can get them going. I, I continue to think the hand-wringing around Drew Brees is a little bit absurd. Uh, yes, he's not a downfield mm. passer at this stage of his career, but they're putting up points. And Michael Thomas is the best wide receiver in the league. He hasn't been anywhere near the field since week one, and they've still been okay. And a big part of that is because Alvin Kamara is the best running back alive, with all due respect. Uh, to Christian McCaffrey, uh, who's injured right now. But Kamara, week after week, is the best player on the field. And I think we're just going to continue to see this offense piling up points, even if Drew Brees isn't hitting on 50-yard bombs. I don't know why everyone's so obsessed with the idea that Drew Brees has to hit on these long passes for the offense to be good, because it doesn't. Well, I I just, you know, I'm with Dan on the sense that I think Brees right now is like an adjunct professor of gridiron smarts and he's leaning on you know 20 years of dissecting film and 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 actual teams in real life in real time and guys like Traquan Smith stepped up Emmanuel Sanders finally appeared last week takes a lot to go down 14 nothing when they were up till like you know two three in the morning with their corona scare and then turn around and it wasn't just it wasn't just that it was five straight touchdowns it was long drives they put drives together and completely beguiled the Lions my one concern though if you're the Chargers is you lose to Austin Eckler and their running backs just Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly come in and combine for 15 carries for 16 yards Greg and a killer fumble before the half against the Bucks. this isn't the Bucks defense against the run but the Saints feel like they've got an advantage there on that front yeah, they have a lot of advantage. I'm worried. You're right. I mean, the Bucks are a historic rush defense last year, so that's not a shock. I think Joshua Kelly's fine, but I'm worried about Justin Herbert because I, I like this kid so much. I've enjoyed watching him. He's been my favorite part of the entire 2020 season. Love when you say how, kid, by the way. How well love he it. has played. Just love it. I mean, he is a kid. We're old. We're in our 40s. He's Greg, like you've said that we're old 14 times on the show so far. I think well, you are I telling on yourself. What, what kind of midlife crisis are you going through right now? I'm 41. I'm embracing it. But uh, this kid's... You're a man, age. damn it. And he's unbelievable. Uh, the, the touch, the accuracy. I'm and it's 41. almost like things have been going too well for him. And uh, you worry about in prime time. Because he's not just playing well he's carrying them they're missing five defensive starters they're not the same team without Chris Harris and Melvin Ingram uh, and the rest of their starters Derwin James they're not the same without Austin Eckler they didn't have Mike Williams last week they didn't have the right side of their offensive line we'll see how the injuries shake out this week but you're playing a veteran team that's pretty um, deep up front that's getting players back and it, it just feels like it's it's asking Herbert an awful lot to carry them yeah, yeah. I think to your kid. point on on the defense like you're up 24-7 <laughs> against Tom Brady and the Bucks. And you let that slip away. 
Like but a fully put, stocked Chargers defense would not have done that. Well, that is true. But also, Joshua Kelly putting the ball on the ground there at the end of the first that was half killer. just killed him. That changed the entire game. It, was, it would have been 24-7 at the half. I, I believe they could have just kneeled on it and got out of there with that lead. They hand it off deep in their own zone. He coughs it up. Brady does what Brady does. And, the, and then they took off from there. I just want to, th- you know, you feel for Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor who – is now just kind of disappeared, and he's never coming back to the starting lineup, uh, barring an injury to Herbert at this point, because the rookie, the kid, has showed off that he deserves to be playing. Uh, but I, I, we are, we should be thankful that this Monday night game has juice, because Tyrod Taylor against the Saints doesn't do much for me at all. Uh, a young Justin Herbert against the old Drew Brees, that's fun. Uh, but for all the reasons that I've stated earlier, I'm locking up the Saints here. Uh, against Justin Herbert in prime time. I just think, uh, you know, he's got a little bit of a, a tall task ahead of him. Is that okay with you and, guys? No, and if it helps, Dan, like I, as you approved of my lock, which, you know, means a lot to me in reverse, I approve of yours. <laughs> Greg, how do you feel? It's fine. This is like a week where we're just hitting some four foot putts. Moving on to moving on to the next one. <laughs> Watch us all lose. <laughs> Okay, time now for Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. Mark Sessler, you're up. All right, well, I'm going to go with the Giants at Dallas, and this is a newsy game. Dan, we already have some uh, issues bubbling up in this one. Oh, yeah, the Cowboys, uh, this from Mike Garofolo and Jane Slater, uh, might be without Tyron Smith, their star left tackle. They're gathering medical opinions on his neck after a setback, and one option is being considered shutting him down for the season, according to... A Garofolo and Jane Slater, so a killer development for the Cowboys who are already hurting. Yeah, it's it's really rough, and you know he hasn't really been healthy to begin with. And you saw what Miles Garrett and the Browns' pass rush did to this offense last week. You know there was that two drive stretch where the Cowboys had back to back fumbles, which put them in a big hole. But outside of that. This offense, offensive line issues aside, this offense is unbelievable hmm. right now. I think CeeDee Lamb is just morphing into a star before our eyes. Guys like Dalton Schultz. Uh, my thing, though, is you just cannot... They are almost an offense that cannot make mistakes if their defense under Mike Nolan is going to continue to play the way that they've been playing. I mean, it looks like a unit that never really got off Zoom meetings um, <laughs> onto actual on-field progressing. They are getting torn up. Now, I don't know if the Giants can take advantage of that, but if they can't, I'd be real concerned about the Giants' offense. Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of this Cowboys defense because I do think you can put it on the coach and the scheme. You know, you, you look at the Giants' defense, for instance. They, in, they installed a new steam scheme and you try to keep it simple for your players and you know what their defense is a lot better this year without Tyron Smith I don't know I think this game becomes a little more dangerous for the Cowboys that's devastating because we haven't really talked about Lyle Collins being uh, likely out for the season as Jane Slater also broke yeah big year for uh, Jane Slater and tackle news in Dallas I mean (laughs) they go from having the best tackle combination in the league to uh, one of the worst and it really it makes you think they're not going to be able to keep up and keep getting into these shootouts if they're not as good uh, up, up front Dan yeah, the whole thing is crumbling for the Cowboys once again. It feels like it happens every year for different reasons. Uh, but when you factor in how bad this defense has been and now with the offensive line issues, it just none of this points to a big uh, rally comeback to win another NFC East title. And you look at 
where Dallas is defensively. They're the worst in the league statistically in terms of uh, points allowed. Well, the Giants are on the opposite end of the spectrum on offense. Uh, Nobody has been worse than them points-wise this season. And I think the heat is turned up here on Danny Dimes. And I know you don't want to judge a quarterback so quickly. He's just in his second season. Uh, But at the same time, just like the other team in the East Rutherford doom zone, the Jets, You have to make a decision with when you have a high first round pick coming and some real quarterback talent in the upcoming draft class. What are you going to do with your quarterback? And we haven't seen a lot mm. from Danny Dimes since about the third quarter of week one. If he doesn't get right and start putting up points against this Cowboys defense, it's going to get louder and louder. The buzz about what his future is this quickly in New York. They're going to miss Pat Shermer at some point. It sounds crazy, but Giants fans have to look at what Danny Dimes was doing last year. And you saw a guy who was playing freely, who I thought was exciting to watch. And the difference right now under Jason Garrett is he's indecisive. He's he's trying to avoid turnovers, but he's not doing the positive things, uh, Danny Dimes, that is, that at least made him intriguing. It's a tough watch on offense, and you're right. If he can't get it done this week, uh, Jason Garrett's going to get a lot of heat. Cowboys fans are loving this, uh, having Garrett come into town this week. The one thing that I think the Giants are doing well is, you know, they, they had the, the, the Rams last week at under 60 yards rushing with about eight minutes to go in that game. They are a pretty solid defense against the run. And if you can take Zeke Elliott out of the affair, that will help a little bit. I, but I, I just it's I struggle to come up with a way where this game is a, a, a close nail biter in the fourth quarter. If Dallas is operating the way that you'd expect with their star players. I mean, Amari Cooper used to be this inconsistent guy, right? He has been like the most maximized version of Amari Cooper we've ever seen. It's, it, I, I don't know how Dallas gonna, falls here. I mean, I wouldn't say you could judge what the future of the Cowboys based on going against the Giants in week five. But I, I think because you're going to see my prediction here is even with all the stuff going on in front of Dak Prescott, he's going to be airing it out and piling mm-hmm. up yards and points again. I don't know if it's 500 yards, but I, Cooper, Gallup, C.D. Lamb, they are going to have their way with this Giants secondary. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. But, ooh, Cowboys in a tough spot. Mm. That was Road to Victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. Mark? Snakes to you, baby. Snakes to me. I will go uh, Rams at Washington. (laughs) I kind of want to see what happens with this Washington offense. Like We know that Dwayne Haskins has now been benched. Kyle Allen, the Kyle Allen of ex-Panthers fame, if you want to call it that, from a season ago, is in there. I mean, Kyle Allen, to me, like, I I fell in love with him early. He had that game right out of the gate where he threw four touchdowns, no picks, and looked like an aggressive downfield thrower. But then he had stretches of incredible turnover scenarios that just completely deep-sixed that team. And he wound up as the least uh, deep pass deep accurate deep passer in the league so you know I don't know why the switch was made at this point other than they've completely given up on Dwayne Haskins and it's a tough situation for him you're a second year quarterback under a completely new regime that by all accounts is is ready to draft another quarterback next offseason so tough role and Kyle Allen do I what's that hit me with your theory please no I have a theory I think uh, Ron Rivera never liked Dwayne Haskins and it's his right yeah, it seems to make this decision. He, I think he kind of had it in his mind probably before he even took the job when he was studying tape of last season. He's like, ah, this guy's no good. And then in a truncated training camp where he didn't, you know, wow him and then the start to the season. 
Rivera already knows that this is his show and he's going to want his quarterback. And he's kind of made that decision that Haskins is never going to be his guy. So uh, that stinks mm. for Haskins. But Greg, also, he's going to he'll get a fresh start somewhere else next year. Getting out of Washington is not the worst thing in the world either. No, probably not. But I, I expect he'll get another chance this year. I expect we'll see Alex Smith start. At some point, Alex Smith was made the backup, and Haskins will be number three, which is which is mm. fascinating to me. I, I don't think it's a, a big mistake to, to bench Dwayne Haskins when he's not ready to play right now. We're in this weird era where you have to succeed right away, and he's in his second year. It's like some quarterbacks can get better over time. Like, we've seen that. And I think if you watch Haskins play this year, including last week, I know people are kind of on them for benching him after a 300-yard game. But if you watch that game, his decision-making, him holding on to the ball forever, him missing some open throws, he has struggled. And so what's the point of putting out a quarterback that's not ready? Now, is Kyle Allen going to be any better? I have my doubts. But you can tell Scott Turner, their coordinator, who was with Allen, um, has some belief in him. When when you see the rap sheet pregame uh, report on you know NFL game day morning, Dan, like last week before the game, that's like they're considering benching Dwayne Haskins. It's like, it's over. Like, don't even put him in that game. You've already made your decision, and, and I think that's fine. And I and I really believe Allen and probably Smith will struggle eventually too, and we'll, we'll, Haskins will get one more chance. Well, that that's fine, but that's not by design. It's because you're, you're one of these teams with no quarterback, essentially. I mean, it would be incredible to see Alex Smith play, though. I think that that would be... One of the more well, they're uh, ready for it, right? Doesn't that make yeah, anybody else nervous? I just, I mean, it, yeah, I, I mean, I hear that, but like he's been checked out by doctors, and they asked that to Rivera, and he said, "Look at if our doctors say that he can do it, he can do it." I mean, if you're Haskins and you're at number three, to me, I don't know who a buyer would be, but are you potentially thinking about shopping Dwayne Haskins this season for next to nothing mm. if he's been buried down at the number three position? I mean, it's just an unusual situation for a second-year quarterback that should have more rope, I think. I mean, I, I agree with you, Greg. He's not playing well at all. But, I mean, young quarterbacks play. They don't sit. They don't get relegated to third, the third spot at this point in 2020. It's very unusual. And, uh, by the way, they did it again, Greg, the Washington football team. Down 31-10 with four and a half minutes to go. Facing a fourth and six at midfield, they punted. That's Rivera putting up that white flag again. What are you, right. what are you doing? I mean, you're, down, a, he, you're down three scores, but you have play. a makeable uh, four, fourth down. Why are you punting the ball away? What are we doing here? It, he keeps. He says he wants to play Allen because he sees there's an opportunity to go win the NFC East. And, you know, it's funny. They mentioned they kind of like the upcoming schedule. Well, that, that good upcoming schedule starts next week because you're playing the Rams this week, uh, a very professional team. I'm just amazed uh, <laughs> that the Rams have, like, totally transitioned to the most run-heavy team in the league. They are, they are the number one running team in the league, according to Football Outsiders. And it's not just like, oh, they're efficient. No, they're like running it every down. They're running it down your throat. It's a tougher matchup this week against Washington. But it's like, I think that's all you're going to need to do against Washington. It's, it's crazy that McVay has really gone this hard as like, even in neutral situations, we're going to be running on second and 10. And it's working pretty well. What a gift. I mean, I would say this, though. They were asleep at the wheel against the Giants until the final like eight minutes of that game. I mean, it's, yeah, and I, I yeah. trust them to work, work their way out of that, but that was not a good performance. Yeah, I feel like those games happen to every team every once in a while. They Especially, do. you kind of play down to the level of a team that stinks, and the good teams find a way to get out of there with the W. Yeah, to your, to your point, Greg, the Rams' top three running backs have all had at least 12 carries in a game 
uh, this season through four weeks. So they're just like running it down the throat with all these different options. And what a blessing for the NFC West this year to get the NFC East uh, on their schedule. The Rams are 3-0, and and I think they'll be 4-0 and after Sunday. All right, I am up next. Let us let us pray. All right, Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> at Pittsburgh Steelers. The Battle of Pennsylvania. How about that? Has anybody done that yet? Uh, probably. Okay. No, that's new. That, that's fresh. The Keystone State. Oh, yeah, Keystone Scramble. All right, I'm excited to see uh, the Eagles with some momentum, if they could really start to uh, roll here. I don't know where we're at right now with their skill players and if Carson Wentz is going to have more help. Uh, but I did. I really enjoyed uh, his performance with nothing on Sunday night, especially the deep shot to uh, Folgham. He just goes by his last Fulham. name for me. What yeah. is it? Travis. Travis Fulham. Fulham. Uh, and now you have a chance to stack up some wins, again, in a terrible division. So I, I like the Eagles as the favorite in the NFC East. And on the Steelers wow. side, and on the Steelers side of things, I don't know. Like Ben Roethlisberger was talking this week how he feels, you know, that they were kind of put in a tough spot here, and he's especially he's coming off this elbow injury, and he felt like he was getting into a groove. I get it. I mean, it's it stinks. I mean, the Steelers just got caught up in the, this COVID madness, uh, but at the same time, just like every other team. Uh, has to do. You just have to roll and adapt. So we'll see if that makes a difference. If they come out looking a little clunky, uh, th- I like the Steelers in this game, but I think we have a nice competitive game. I love this as a value mm. pick in the draft right now. Isn't it mm. interesting that like you get Mike Tomlin a week ago giving you really pretty badass quotes about the fact that, listen, Corona, no Corona, the Pittsburgh Steelers are all business. We're going to do whatever it takes, no excuses. And then playing according to type, Big Ben is sort of whining and complaining about it, and we didn't get our way. And it's like everyone's just kind of kind of roll with this. I feel like we haven't watched the Steelers in ages, but to me, the one guy that stands out that's working on that team, Eric Ebron, has been a great fit for them. Uh, I just, I, I'm watching the Eagles, and I, Dan, I appreciate that you enjoyed the performance on Sunday night. I do not like boring teams. The Eagles, to me, are like the most boring team out there right mm. now. I'm not, and they need to win me back over. I am tired of predicting I, them for the playoffs and everything else. Show me something. For two years in a row, they've been dull to the eyes. Carson Wentz is fun to watch. And now he's kind of, you know, he's starting to run a lot more. I mean, he's erratic, but you're not sure what you're going to get. We don't know who's going to play at receiver in this game for either team. We could get Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey back for the Eagles. Uh, Juju didn't practice. Deontay Johnson didn't practice. So Ben should maybe be happy they got that week off because his receivers uh, are still a little banged up. It's two really good pass rushes. Uh, the Eagles have that defensive line going right now. They're they're among the league leaders in sacks. They can bring waves of guys. But there's only one decent offensive line in this game, and that's Pittsburgh. So when you have Pittsburgh on defense, them coming after Carson Wentz with that blitz, you saw Stefan Tuitt had his best game in week three before we lost uh, the Steelers from the schedule for a week. And it's like they, they are the team, I think, that can win – with two pass rushers up front on any given play more than any team. And going up against this Eagles line, which is so banged up, we don't know about Lane Johnson either. Uh, to me, that is a mismatch. And that's why I'm locking up the Steelers. Okay. Ooh. Okay, I like that. I think that's a solid Easy. lock. Uh, for as much as I kind of admire the moxie of Carson Wentz and their ability to – I mean, that was a nice win on the road in prime time to find a way to win in San Francisco with all those variables working against them. Uh, I, I think that this is going to be a tough task for them. 
I think it's going to be a very tough task. Um, all right. Up next, Greg on the draft. I'll go Carolina, Atlanta. I love this Panthers team. I, uh, I'm i kind of like you, Mark, in that I am going to totally crown Matt Rule too early. Like I'm I so like impressed with the coaching job that he's doing. Teddy Bridgewater is on pace for 4,500 yards, and that dot's rising, Dan. Oh, good. Uh, you know, Robbie Anderson's on pace for 1,500 yards. Their defense after just – I just kind of, like, assumed they were going to be a joke all year. Their rookies are playing pretty well. Derek Brown and Yatur, Gross, Matos. You know, I thought they were going to be an embarrassment. I was thinking of locking this game up, too, until I saw you guys kind of take it with some, uh, you know, shorter putts here and decide I'm not going to get as creative. Excuse me? But I like this Carolina team. What, a, what an indictment this would be of Dan Quinn if Matt Rule goes in there. <laughs> Uh, with an underman team, and that's coaching. Is there coaching. anything else? He, is there anything else that we can indict poor Dan Quinn for? He's already. I mean, sorry, the do, he's a sorry. dog that's been kicked so many times. Like, what? What could we? What could we learn now at this point to make us think less of where he's at? Well, how about mm. out coach Matt Rule, which t- people are not doing. They're just not doing it. I mean, who thought they were going to knock off the Cardinals a week ago? I think it's also it's their coordinators, Joe Brady innovative on offense doing stuff I mean that offense is, is is so much better than it was a year ago Phil Snow is an aggressive defensive coordinator I really am into Mike Davis man I know that he's he's moved around a little bit but a lot of coaches love him he has a little bit of Mark Ingram to him a little bit of maybe Pierre Thomas I just see running backs of old I like mm. his style and you know Reggie Bonifon's been helpful too and you said it with Ant, like Anderson has been a perfect fit I just think this offense is frisky Teddy Bridgewater's playing as well as he ever has so to me, I mean, you know, Atlanta's defense completely crumbled last week, and you got nothing from Julio Jones. You got nothing from Calvin Ridley. The offense fell apart, and it's like if they're not scoring 35 points in these games, they're in, they're in a serious hot water. I mean, literally nothing from Calvin Ridley, and it, right. it, didn't, it makes you think about what is, what's the future uh, of Matt Ryan and, and this, whole, this whole regime because it feels like the wrecking ball is coming to the Falcons at this point, and that is, I mean, to go from where they were up 28-3 in that Super Bowl, and I'm not going to relitigate that, Falcons fans, don't worry, to where they are now, it's just been kind of a sad downward trajectory. Uh, they did get back to the playoffs and even won a game the next year, but ever, ever since that, really, it's been a bummer. I, You know, this narrative, um, Sessler, and now Greg's buying into it, that he was the only one that was truly buying into Matt Rule. I mean, I love Matt Rule that higher. We had him on our show, and he was awesome, and he was he's a Jersey guy. And like, Wait a minute. No, wait a second. And it was hold never on. like a situation like, oh, Matt Rule is not a good NFL coach. It was like, let's hold off uh, putting him into Canton. And he has okay. back-to-back wins, and that's nice. That's very nice. And I think they're making progress, and they're ahead of, of where uh, people thought they would be, including myself. But at no point was it like, oh, Matt Rule, he doesn't have a chance in this league. I don't think anyone was down on him, but I think it's difference in styles, Dan, because I, if anything, if I, if I fault in any direction, it's falling in love with a coach before he's done anything and just riding that train and seeing where it goes. Where I think you are someone you want to see a couple 10 and 6, 11 and 5 seasons before we start mm. talking about Matt Rule in a certain way. It's just a different approach. Mine is equally faulty, but Matt Rule to me, it's about where he came before, that he's been a guy that's, you know, overseen multiple reclamation projects. And, you know, I remember reading a Peter King thing from June saying the Panthers are the team that probably has an excuse to go one and 15. They've got two coordinators that have never been at the NFL level. They've got a bunch of guys on defense who were living in a college dorm a year ago. And he's he's turned them into something interesting very quickly. So it only adds to his stock in my mind. 
Yeah, I like Falcons Matt Rule get back as well. four defensive starters, by the way, in this game. I mean, in Dan <laughs> Quinn's defense, he was missing six defensive starters last week. It looks like four of them are back, like three in the secondary and Tack McKinley. So it's it's not quite as easy a matchup for Carolina as it was for Green Bay. All right. Uh, Greg, it snakes to you, my friend. All right. Let's go uh, with the late afternoon game. What do we got? Let's go 49ers. Dolphins. The cavalry is arriving for this 49ers team. There you team. go. <laughs> you know, I, pra- I practiced this week with Jimmy G on the field and Raheem Mostert on the field and Debo and Kittle and Ayuk or Ayak. They're now calling him. I like that one. Oh, that's um, good. I like that. It's the first time they've been on the field together, period. Like, including practices. Uh, this entire season, and they're still banged up defensively, especially in the secondary, and that makes you think that Ryan Fitzpatrick can do just enough to remind you that the Dolphins are well-coached, but then lose a, a close game. But, man, Jimmy G has to love how, how it worked out. I mean, oh, it would've, he would have liked them to win the game. But he's like, all right, you can quiet down with Beautiful. the Nick Mullins talk. I'm going to re-enter the lineup against this Dolphins defense, which is no oh. better, by the way, than the day Brian Flores arrived. And I got all my guys back, and now I'm going to go put up some points. Oh, beautifully set up for Jimmy G's arrival. <laughs> I mean, because there is – it is not – we talked about this earlier in the week, but it's like – you don't like to just put a, a loss on one player, but Nick Mullins lost that game on Sunday night. The Eagles had no business winning that game, uh, but Mullins refused to let the Niners win it. And, and so that puts them in a situation now where Jimmy G again looks like the golden boy and there's no question or controversy. He doesn't have to look over his shoulder if he has a couple bad weeks out of the gate coming back slow because they're not going to say, oh, maybe Nick Mullins is the answer after what happened on Sunday night football. So I agree with you. I think it's a great spot for the Niners, where they're getting healthy against a Dolphins team that, yes, they're frisky. You got Fitzmagic. I agree. Brian Flores has done a nice job overall there. Uh, but this also looks like a team that could travel across the country and just get shellacked uh, by a San Francisco mm. team that has a lot more talent. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's also a, a, the winner is Kyle Shanahan not having to answer questions or go through the rigmarole yes. of which quarterback deserves to start. It clean, it, you're right, it just cleans that board. I mean, I when I look at the Dolphins, I guess they're frisky. I mean, I don't know. This seems sort of they've like... They've been a, in every game. They, they, they are, other but... Other than the Patriots game, they've been in every game against some good teams. I think they're well coached. I mean, we all are on the Brian Flores thing. I'm just wondering, like, how long until... You give Tua a chance to play. I mean, what what if Tua could flip the switch and make turn them from frisky to winning some of these games? Like being close is nice, but that's that's better in August not their than problem, it is now. Though. He, they say Tua isn't ready for whatever reason, and, and if they that's say concerning. that, you, you I got a prediction. Though, like, this is this is Ryan Fitzpatrick's final start because he isn't ready. Mm. Turns to he's starting this Sunday very quickly in the NFL. Here's the thing, though. You're going to put him behind, and this is where I think I'd be a little worried if I'm a Dolphins fan. You're going to put him behind two tackles, including your first-round pick, by the way, um, who are ranked in the bottom 10 of PFF qualifiers. The whole point of this season is to find some players and some young players. And I'm looking around. You're going to get Byron Jones back. He was a nice free agent signing. I'm looking around, and who is it right now? You know, it's... 
Kosicki, it's Isaiah Ford. Like, who who are you getting excited about that that you're taking with some of these draft picks? You you had three first round picks. Austin Jackson struggled. I know it's early, but Igbenogany struggled. He was another first round pick. I know it's early. It's like you you want to start finding these young players, including like two is not going to fix Can't it. Can't be too on precious though, They'll Greg. Just, like. Right. He's a football player. He was drafted to a football team to be their football quarterback. Like, I understand you're probably not going to put him into an ideal situation, but the days of you know putting him a, a guy on the bench for a year and, and building up a better situation around him, I feel like that's a bygone era in the league. Right, and it's nice to be Brian Mahomes Flores where it. you can say Mahomes for two straight it. years, we're not going to put our first rule. I mean, if you're Brian yeah. Flores, though, it's like how how – much time is he given to show us what the Dolphins really are? I mean, I, I get, I, I'm more of a fan of Year not three, throwing basically. every quarterback into the fire, but he's got to start soon. Nobody thought Justin Herbert was ready, right? That's fair. That's fair, dog. <laughs> All right. I am up, I believe. Hamana, hamana, yeah. hamana. I have, mm. you know, let me tell you something. The Jets are on the board, but Sam Darnold is not playing this week. I have no interest in watching the Jets. This Jets team with this coaching regime without the quarterback who's the only kind of piece that we're trying to work out right now, that game means nothing to me. Take the slate off because I'm not picking the game. <laughs> Denver at New England is my next pick. Ooh, I, need a four, I need a 4 p.m. game. You? Greg, I'm not taking it from you. I know you're going to watch it either way. Uh, but for the No, I'm not going to watch it. I, I'm intentionally passing. I don't like watching them live every week. This is one I'm, I'm fine. A little game pass. You can yeah. you know, luxuriate a little bit with it. All right, good. So everybody wins. What cooperation between you two? Uh, the Broncos at the Patriots. Uh, obviously, Cam Newton, everything is upside down with his, his COVID-19 uh, positive test. Uh, but you still got to like their chances here. Um, Brian Hoyer is not starting. That's the only thing I could tell you with certainty. And uh, we're going to see. Well, you it, don't know that for certain. Uh, well, do you think do you think after what we saw on Monday night, Bill Belichick's going to be like, you know what? Brian Hoyer is still my guy. Unless he's really trying to stick it to the media, which he's been known to do uh, in the <laughs> past. So uh, Damian Harris is a guy, Greg, that I, I know you liked what you saw from him last week. This is a bit of a weird game. You got un- uncertainty at the quarterback position all over the place. Uh, but you imagine the Patriots yeah. can take care of business in their building. I'm a little shocked how heavily um, the Patriots are favored in this game. Uh, it's a lot of faith. So we, d- we don't know. The-, the matchup could be Drew Locke versus Cam Newton. I mean, there's no no one said that Cam Newton's definitely out. And the way they do the tests, if he was asymptomatic... I haven't ruled it out mentally. The Patriots, you know, as we're taping this, haven't been back in their facility. So Hoyer didn't practice before last week's start. It's possible after Stefan Gilmore's test, and we haven't done a podcast um, since uh, Stefan Gilmore tested positive. It's possible the Patriots aren't allowed to practice this week either. Hoyer didn't practice before that one. So the matchup could be Locke versus Hoyer, could be Locke versus Stidham, could be Locke versus Cam, could be Brett Rippon against any one of those three. We don't really know. Locke, Drew Locke has been at practice for the Broncos. That obviously changes the entire complexion of this game. The, them playing without Stefan Gilmore changes their defense. I mean, it's all just so messy. Yes. In fact, it's so messy. I don't even think we should really talk too much more on this game uh, unless someone has another uh, fact mm. to add before we move on. No, let's I, I'm just going to say that the the Broncos defense has been really competitive and playing well. They, the, the Jets game wasn't like their best game, but if it is Stidham or Hoyer, the, they have been so competitive each game 
and there's no Gilmore. Like, I think Bill Belichick is legitimately worried about what a Vic Fangio uh, defense could do against Hoyer or, some, or Stidham. Mm, saucy. Up next, Mark Sessler. All right. Well, I will take what is nothing less than a bullet to the chest going Cardinals-Jets. I guess I'm going to take this <laughs> Jets game. I don't like what don't you did to me to. there, but no, I I, I am going to do it. And I, I like watching... Um, <laughs> things just burn to the ground, right? And and that's what's happening with the Jets a little bit, but it doesn't make me um, happy at all for you, Dan. So I, you know, I'm not taking any so pleasure. So it sounds it. like a real bittersweet uh, Sunday of viewing coming up for you. It's, uh, you know, that may not be something I'm zoned in on snap after snap, but I would say if, the, if you're the Cardinals, you've got to get out of a funk. I mean, where we were with them two weeks ago, it was, oh, listen, we spent all offseason hyping up the Cardinals, and there's one of those rare teams that hits the scene and does everything we expected, and they're super frisky, and they're going to potentially win the NFC West or slide them right into a wild card, and then they lose two in a row. And, I, you know, I watching them against Carolina, Kyler Murray, like, through the air, they just seem a little bit lost to me. I mean, it's essentially... The ball is going to DeAndre Hopkins um, at incredible amounts and, and very few other people. I don't think Kenyon Drake is get, is giving us everything that we thought from Kenyon Drake at this point. And I'm just wondering, are people catching up to Cliff Kingsbury's offense a little bit? Or are these parts just not necessarily working together? Mm. I mean, again, though, like we've talked about the Jets, to be real, it's hard to scout teams that play the Jets because of what they've been this season, which is next to nothing. So I would be surprised if Arizona can't go into MetLife and do what they want to do in this game. The Jets' defense has not been a total disaster. but Ooh, I, mean, I think it telling, has. I mean, they're I mean, coming off a game where they've been getting killed all season, uh, on the pass and the run, and we're coming off a game. People are wondering, why isn't Adam Gase fired yet? Well, and yeah. I'll give Greg, I'll give you a shout-out on this one. Because uh, you pounded the drum on this in the past, is that Greg Williams is having another one of those tenures where he's excellent one year and then dog poop the next, and six personal fouls against the Broncos uh, by the defense, in addition to not being able to figure out a way to stop Brett Ripien uh, beyond those. I know it's Brett Ripien beyond those interceptions. Uh, just a weird game uh, on Thursday night. You can't fire Adam Gase and then promote. Greg Williams, no, when you the couldn't. defense is Promote terrible. Sean Jefferson. I mean, you, I promote guess you their can, assistant head but coach. You got, but promote you Joe Bitt. Joe Bitt. Promote their special teams coach. Whoever. Yeah, but you need to have an. If nothing else, Adam Gase has experience. The team's going nowhere. Uh, you can't just like take somebody and make them the head coach for twelve games that has no experience. Things could get even more embarrassing. Why not? I mean, it gives well, him. Because I, I actually think it, he could it's be at totally, the point that it's humane. I think it's at the point where it's humane. If they lose, this is like a lose-lose because if Flacco plays well and they and they like won this game, that would almost be bad for the Jets. It would make Sam Darnold look bad. But yeah, I think it's humane. If you've made the choice to move on from Gase, which I, I would imagine they are, just put Sean Jefferson in. He's been a coach for 16 years. He's the assistant head coach. Like, Give him experience. I think he would like that. Or Joe Vett or, or Boyer, their special teams coach who's done a good job. with. I don't know. All right. Like, okay. What's the you know point what? of that's, keeping that's him? A, that's a fair point. I just, as long as... And don't put anything past the New York Jets. If their organizational feeling on this is it's Greg Williams or Adam Gase, I am fine with keeping yeah. Adam Gase there until New Year's yes, Eve, I and agree. then you move. Um, right. 
The only thing, though, like if you really want to go out, one thing the, the Panthers did this last year with Matt Rule was they got rid of Ron Rivera and they started the process of vetting and looking at candidates early. And if you're the Jets, you don't want to get caught not getting the guy you want. But so, you can do that while Adam Gase is still the head coach. You can, but I mean, I think it's a and clear teams do. You're, for, for with candidates that are out there. Some yeah. of them are not going to want to talk to you mm-hmm. with a head coach in place. And I think like this is a I, big I game say, for the Cardinals. This is a huge decision for what New York does. This is Sam Darnold's Mm -hmm. career. Like, you cannot go get this wrong and hire the next ballyhooed version of Adam Gase who is just simply Adam Gase. You've got to go nail this thing. I'm going to call Joe Brady as the next Jets coach (laughs) or Bill O'Brien, one or the other. Greg, what were you going to say? Or trade for Matt Rule. You almost had him before. (laughs) Yes. I'm just saying, it's a big game for the Cards. The the Cards just lost the Lions and the Panthers, and the Panthers game was convincing. That was a beatdown. They they have to win this game. They're not take advantage of this easy schedule, and they're beatable. Your their passing game, you're right, is a mess. And if we're if we're totally honest about it, it's never been above average since Cliff Kingsbury and Murray's been there as a passing game. I think it'll get there, but like it's been a good running game. They're just not there yet. I think they will in time, but they're they're tough to watch right now. It's funny uh, how much more reliant on they got to win. They got to win this game. You got to win this game. If they lose it, it's a tire fire. Oh, there, it's a disaster. Suddenly. They are more reliant on Kyler Murray running than Baltimore is with Lamar. I mean, it's and it's like that's there's quarters at a time where that's their only right. offense. He had fifty. And the difference is Murray's just scrambling. Game. The difference is they're not even calling those plays. It's Murray just scrambling. Right, he's getting them out of jams. So it's you it's know. funny how quickly things change because two weeks ago the entire story was Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are leading a revolution, and now we're asking these questions. <laughs> That's just funny. Exactly. That's sports. That's football. We have one more game. Mark Sessler, close it out. <laughs> All right. We've got oh, – what am I? I feel like I'm wedded to total disaster scenarios this week. <laughs> I've got the Texans, like, you know, fresh off of firing Bill O'Brien. Well, you know what? They play Jacksonville, so there's a little something to like there. This game to me, I guess it's like I no, you know what? I'm just done that with. I'm just pause done from with you. Was was priceless. I, I loved it. I'm done. I'm just done with. I'm done with the Texans, and I and I do feel a little annoyed because I have a bunch of games here with teams that I would like watch last on Game Pass. So give them give them to Nick Shuck. Tough draft. That's a good move. And if he's watching this, I will not do that. But then behind Poor the West. scenes, that's exactly what I'll do. I to me it's it's I want to just get more of an idea of what what Gardner Minshew is because I think it's fair at this point whether mm. you're a Minshewian or not to say that this is a streaky quarterback in a streaky offense. I, I I like him overall, but it's tough to say this is this is the guy that you're going to base years off of um, with what we're seeing because it just seems to be up and down. Now, I I think that he the offense was completely different when DJ Shark was not in there compared to when he is. I think that their passing game runs around him entirely. I don't know. It's like it, it, the, to me, the Jacksonville Jaguars like are, are a, a more interesting offense to watch than the Texans have been. I, I know that like I like to. Well, they're the Watson, best, but they're the best group in this game. The Jaguars' offense. I don't even yeah. think there's a question. They're a good offense. I don't think they're a good team. Um, I think they move the ball pretty well. They're, they they're on time with their throws. Like I I expect them to put up a lot of points. But I think they're probably the worst defense in the league. And man, there's a lot of bad defenses. So you in look, the Texans could be in that mix. I don't think they're quite there. I would put the Jaguars as the very worst. If you look at the quarterbacks the Jaguars have played, all of them have had their best game by far against the Jaguars. Joe Burrow finally gets off and gets protected against the Jaguars. Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, you know, 
takes it back on Thursday night football and shows his chest hair against the Jaguars. The only game where Phillip <laughs> Rivers went up and down the field was against the Jaguars. The Titans put up 33 points. This defense is terrible, and the Texans' offense is not terrible. So this should be a nice little, hey, we got rid of Bill O'Brien. We want to uh, show you that everyone's happy under uh, Uncle Romeo Cornell. Let's go get a victory. I came Texans. very. I came this close, boys. <laughs> To locking up the Texans. Me too. Based Me on too. the no Brian factor at play here. And there was the report this week that J.J. Watt, who's the face over there with Deshaun Watson, was in a, a shouting match of some kind with O'Brien a couple weeks ago in practice that led to uh, O'Brien losing the team for good. So Romeo is like, we, we talked about it with Seth Payne, who covers Houston sports down there in Texas. Uh, Romeo is that guy that everybody likes that just hangs around and he's he's down with demotions. He's cool with promotions. Uh, so he's just somebody that everybody roots for and wants to play hard for. Uh, it feels like a perfect spot for a winless team that's not an 0-16 team the, the, to get right against a deeply flawed Jaguars team with up-and-down offense and a truly dreadful defense. So, I, I mean, like, this, the, the Jaguars are on pace to set franchise worst marks for uh, points allowed uh, per game yardage per game we are not that far away from Saxonville I, I know it feels that way but that was like three seasons ago and it's gotten from that yeah. point to here which is such an organizational failure uh, that I don't know what else to say I would say though that I mean their defense last year remember how teams were running on them literally destroying them on the ground so they've been a bad defense for a while there is one insanely annoying nugget to me, and it happened late, you know, late yesterday, that this Jack Easterby character has now essentially anointed himself general manager. I mean, this is one of the most absurd <laughs> things that has happened in the well, National Football League in my entire life. This power-hungry individual has, is the most <laughs> Machiavellian person. And it's sorry, it's not just He's Bill O'Brien. He's a pastor, it's Mark like, Sessler. How dare you? This guy, this is, this, is the, this is the kind of thing that drives me nuts. This guy, who was essentially a culture coach for the Patriots, is now the general manager of the Texans. I don't trust anything. Even even worse than that, they they say, well, don't worry about it. Um, the plan is he'll take a step back. We're going to hire a GM. Well, guess who's hiring that GM? Old Jack Easterby. Right. Give me a break. <laughs> hey, by the you are hey, if the tech, I feel like the Texans ownership. This is a case where the media does sometimes matter. I think the media has a chance in Houston, and they might just do it. To bury Easterby enough and this plan enough, and I'm going to help as much as I can over the next three months, um, that this is a bad idea because (laughs) you have Deshaun Watson. You have this. You have the stadium. You have everything. You've got cash. Like they always have the most cash of any team other than like the Cowboys. You got it all. And if I'm Eric Bieniemy, for instance, I'm not taking a job with Jack Easterby. I would tell my agent if I'm Bieniemy. And you don't do this publicly. You tell your agent to tell them, I don't want to do the interview if Easterby's running it. And, you know, you, enough people from the league, you know, start whispering like that. And who knows? You, you people that. you people got Bill O'Brien fired. I'm sure you could do this as well. No, it's who good, cares? You've I, never I, met I'm him. You don't know plan. him as a person at all. But he he's an evil as a dragon and a medieval tale. So let's run him out of town as well. No, no, no. Process. I'm sure, it's he's process. A, he's a pastor. It's the same sure process nice your Jets took. That's how you got you know Adam Gase and not on the same page chain. with his GM. Calm down. Right. Don't bring he, up the he, Jets. You talk about a hit back at me. No, but you talk about a progress stopper. I mean, Jack Easterby lodged in your front office is a progress stopper if you're trying to get a candidate worth his salt. 
Blind faith in your leaders or anything will get you killed. Bruce Springsteen, Texans fans, Texans players, take note. What a way to end it. <laughs> All right. Weird week. I hope I hope Holly Easterby, daughter of Jack Easterby, is not a podcast listener. <laughs> Lions and Packers are off. We, we didn't even on uh, we didn't even touch on Tennessee uh, and Buffalo for obvious reasons, uh, but we will be back on Sunday. The only thing we can tell you, actually, I can't even tell you this. We we presume that we will be back on Sunday night uh, for the flagship program, the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, that is the plan. Uh, so please, if that is indeed the case, check out that show to recap. That recaps every show we just talked about here. Uh, thank you to everybody uh, for watching. This is Dan Hansa signing off for The Quiet Storm, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the virtual glass. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.